0: Hi there. It's uh, great to be here with Gary Caldwell. Hi, Gary.
1: Hi, John. How are you doing?
0: Very well, very well. Uh, yeah, how are you dealing with this lockdown?
1: Uh, hanging in there. Home, homeschooling's been uh, a huge challenge uh, we with, with three kids. My girlfriend's got two, so oh. at times there's five kids homeschooling in the one house. But I must admit, the kids have been great. They've really kind of got on with it and it's yeah, okay. probably more difficult for them but uh yeah we have been going out on walks and I've been taking my older boys out running and on the bike so it's been it's been good in a different way but obviously yeah. in some ways as well.
0: Yeah. And where are you just now did you mention to me you were down Manchester Way?
1: Yeah I'm an elderly age in uh, Cheshire I've been down here uh, when I first moved to Wigan in 2010 uh I came to this area which is about 40 minutes south of Wigan uh, and I love it here. I, I don't think I would ever move from here. The kids, two of my kids were born down here and they're all settled at school now. So um, I'm pretty settled. I think I would always kind of have a base around here.
0: And as we were saying earlier, it's just such a great part of the world for football, isn't it? It's it's almost like a, an epicentre of clubs and players around that Lancashire going into Yorkshire area.
1: Yeah, it is. There's... There's so many teams in, in different leagues as well. Like you, you've got your Rochdale and Barrys. Obviously, Bury went out uh, in a kind of business, but they they were in League One, League Two, so you could go to that kind of level and watch them. And then up, even like Stokes, only thirty five, forty minutes from my house, and you can then go up to Blackburn and Burnley and Blackpool. It's it's all very uh, close in terms of clubs, and and even to get to London in the trains, an hour and fifty minutes. So it's it's a really good base for for getting all over. Yeah,
0: so you know what I use and you would have seen the 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 slide I always use when I'm doing in the SFA, especially in the A or B license. It's Sir Bo- Bobby Robson speaking about you know what football is, and it's more than than, you know, uh, the people that's in it. It's more than just the teams. You know, there, there's something about football when, especially, say, when, when someone takes you to a game when you're a kid, whether it be your brother or your dad or your mom, and you fall in love with the game. Can you remember when you first fell in love with football? Uh,
1: I can't remember a specific moment where, where, where I can't. Kind of We'd say I fell in love. The, the kind of first World Cup I remember was 1990 when I when I was eight, uh, and I remember that Italian ninety, the fantastic music, oh. um, watching all the games. Obviously, Scotland w- were there, which was yeah. was great for for a young Scottish boy with hopes of one day playing for my country. Yeah. Uh, but I can't remember a specific moment. But like you say, there is a love for the game. Yeah. It's something that. Once it gets inside you, it, it, it's very difficult to kind of let it go. There's yeah. always that to either watch football or, or be involved in football, and it's a fantastic game to play, and yeah. it's a fantastic game to be involved in. Agree. Okay.
0: And who kind of growing up really influenced you as a player? Then, well,
1: my dad was a, a junior player and, and played kind of locally, he played for East Sterling. Yeah. he actually showed me a programme recently where he, he played against Partick Thistle.
0: And right.
1: <laughs> he was in the programme, so he was very proud to, to show well, me that, yeah. that he played against Thistle. Uh, so he was a big influence on me and my brother, and I was fortunate yeah. that I had a brother, an older brother, who yeah. was obviously a footballer as well, yeah. but we always, you know, went to the park together, kicked yeah. the ball out the back. I've got my second... Uh, oldest boy is, you know, he's really into it, but his brother isn't. So he's not got that, uh, somebody to to pass the ball with constantly. And and I had that and I was very fortunate that me and my brother could develop and and grow up together. Yeah.
0: And that's such a a brilliant thing to have, isn't it? Especially a brother that's a bit older that you can, you can always chase, isn't it? You could, uh, was he a centre? What position did your brother play?
1: We a centre-half as well. My dad was uh-huh. a centre-half. Right. Uh, we both, uh, when we were younger, we both played midfield. It was actually my dad that always said, whenever we went to something when we were re- really young, he said, say you're a midfielder, just yeah. because he, that would get the attack and the defence. It gets everything yeah. you need to do. Everything. Uh, but I remember when we were probably about 12, 13, because we were starting to grow, everyone mm-hmm. said, you'll be a centre-back once, once you yeah. kind of grow up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we were all all centre halves, and uh, no, it's, I think it's great yeah. that my brother always, like you say, did achieve something, and then yeah. I had that target. That yeah, I think it's easier when you go into something blind, and and you know if you're going out to to run a marathon and just say I'm going for a time, and it's very yeah. difficult to gauge yeah. your pace and ha- and how you run that. Yeah. But when I was growing up, my brother got in the Scotland schoolboys team yeah. and was capped so yeah. that was my minimum level I yeah. had to do that I yeah. had to win the victory shield, then I had to get a contract then I had yeah. to play for yeah. you know it was just something that he gave me that challenge and, yeah. and I wanted to do that and more so I was, I was yeah. fortunate in that regard uh,
0: and that you know that is such a brilliant uh, story an illustration isn't it of we ne- no one ever really does anything alone. Sometimes people think, oh, I did it all myself. And You don't. So you're describing it was, you know, before you, your dad laid, you laid your path and then your brother. And, and you can all, it's great to have something to aspire to. to. When did you first realise you would be a professional? Did you always have that aspiration to be a professional? Yeah, I think
1: probably when we were about 12, 13, no. uh, like I said, Stephen got in the Scotland School yeah. Boys and I got in it and, and that was when we kind of started going to clubs as well, Celtic yeah. and Rangers and yeah. Aberdeen, uh, United Aberdeen Hearts. Uh, yeah. We went to loads of clubs in Scotland then started coming down to clubs in England and that yeah. was when we thought there might be something in this, mm. but I don't think you ever or I never felt like I had made it. And yeah. that is, a, I think, a great lesson for younger players that even when I came to Wigan at 28-year-old, yeah. I, I didn't know everything. I hadn't made it. I felt like I always had to prove myself and always had to do more. Uh, yeah. And that was something that stayed with me right till the, the very end of my career. So I was always kind of wasn't happy with what I did yeah. and wanted to do more. Yeah. Uh, so that, especially in football, because once you think you've cracked it in mm. football, it can very quickly. Yeah. Uh you can get egg in your face, or you know, mistakes will happen if complacency sets in. So I was always striving to learn and, and to be better right throughout my career.
0: And I think that's a great description because certainly all everyone I know that's usually excellent, which you are at anything you'd, you you would do. It, they almost have that um, a positive discontent is the best way I could put it. You know that, however well you're doing you're always looking to think, oh, I wonder if I can get better. I wonder what I can do with this. And yeah, would you think, agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think in, in, my, in my kind of in moments on my own, yeah. I, I was like, I, outwardly, I yeah. always gave the perception of, I'm doing all right here. Yeah, yeah. I, never, I never showed negativity. Yeah. I never wanted to show yeah. weakness. If I had a bad game. I wouldn't announce it to the world. Yeah. When I got on though, I'd sit myself and say, you know, that wasn't good enough, you need to improve, you know, you need to do this better, but outwardly, to give, you know, body language and and mindset that, you know, I'm in control, I know what I'm doing, so I think, you know, you need that kind of balance of a mental toughness and resolve that you show to the outside world, but inwardly, you have to be honest with yourself, and and try and constantly improve. Yeah.
0: I think that's a great point as well. You know, I I, I was speaking to John Rankin last week and, and ranks, of course, went from being in the youth setup in Manchester United back to up the road to Ross County. And Ranks put it a great way and, and it really struck me. He said, I never really played for Manchester United. He says, I never played for Manchester United. I played for, you know, I was a youth player at Manchester United. That I played at Ross County first team and he said so many young players now if they're shined for a big club at youth level think they've made it do you think that's true more true nowadays than it was when you were growing up or was it always there?
1: Massively and I have the exact same experience of never, I never played for Newcastle I was yeah. a Newcastle youth team reserve team player yeah. and ultimately got released from there yeah. but that doesn't Define you that then yeah. has to be that kind of drive and that yeah. motivation to yeah. to come back. Yeah,
0: there we are. And what about the younger players now? Do you think it's always been like that, Gary?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think younger players now. I see, you know, I go to academy games and you see Man City players walking in with, with a Man City track suit and they believe they play for Man City and. I think Ranks' his mindset, my own mindset that I had, is the one you should have. You haven't played... And even when you play one yeah. game for the first team, yeah. you aren't a first-team player, you know? And that's why I had that mentality through my career that I was always wanting to do better and do more. Uh, and that should be your mentality. I go back to when when I first got on the youth team, it was I, I called it the washback culture. It was when yeah. washbags started becoming a thing for oh. me to be about. And my mum got me a Burberry wash bag.
2: Yeah.
1: It was fashionable back
2: yeah. 20 years
1: ago. <laughs> I still had that wash bag when I finished my career. Yeah. And the boy, Wigan, used to take great pride and have a great laugh at my expense at taking a Burberry wash bag, which was clearly out of fashion Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, uh, 2015, uh, 2014. But, uh, uh, that was something that meant a lot to me to say that yeah. no, this this is my wash bag and it's it's kind of came my whole career. Whereas now you see boys that they, they get the Louis Vuitton or the Gucci yeah. or it yeah. changes every. Like, yeah. Do you want to be a footballer to 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 kind of walk about like that, or is it what you do in the pits that's going to kind of be what you're you're known yeah. for? So I would always yeah. big on things like
0: that. I th- I think that's. You know, that's a great story about the washbag, actually, isn't it? Because A, for you, it becomes a, it, it becomes something you've carried through your whole story. And we were speaking earlier, because when I was saying to you before we came on, for most people, you never see or you only remember bits of people's stories. So I would remember you as a Celtic player. Then, of course, you've got Hibbs, Newcastle, away before that as well. You know, so... People only get a glimpse of everyone's story, don't they? They don't see a lot of the hard work or, you know, the real intensities or the downsides that go with the game.
1: No, and I think that's, you you mentioned earlier about uh, you're not an individual and that is why it's so important you have a team, you know, your family, uh, a support network round about you that can help with bad days because yeah. I think every footballer will say there's more bad days than good days Yeah, uh, and you need support at those times you need people to put an arm around you you need people to kind of kick you up the backside at times and say you need to do more uh, so unless you've got that good support network around about you then, it, then it's very difficult because I, I don't believe you do it on your own you do it uh, kind of with help from others and picking up little bits of information and help
0: all along the way, and and it's I I totally agree with it. One the first book I wrote, I've written a few books, and the first one I wrote, I I sent a copy to a, an old science teacher. who used to take our primary school football team when I was eleven, and he said something to me that I would never forget all my life. You know, and and he would for, he wouldn't be realise even said it, and once I wrote the book, I sent him a copy because he doesn't use a computer or anything, just thanking him. And he sent me a letter, a written letter back and said, thanks, I was just trying to pass on a bit of what I knew to you all. And I think that's the magic of football and the influence people has. Oh yeah, without a
1: doubt. I think coaches have a a massive influence, especially youth team, younger coach, when you're a younger player, the coaches at that kind of level have a huge influence on your career, yeah. but more importantly, I think they have an influence on you as a person and yeah. the standards that they set. Uh, I remember Tommy Craig once, I mean, this, this wouldn't happen now. Yeah. Uh, I think it still should, but I'm uh, sure yeah. uh, HR would get involved now. <laughs> but we, uh, we came into the training ground and normally you had your Adidas training kit, immaculately piled towel, yeah. you know, slips, shorts, yeah. socks, everything. What, everything was there for you. And we came in one morning and the, the changing room had kit all over the floor, everywhere, yeah. soaking.
2: Yeah.
1: And we all, all kind of looked about and sat, never got changed. Tommy came in about five past ten after, you know, we had arrived. Yeah. And he said, there was a few swear words, but he said, this is how this place was left the last night. Yeah. He said, so you can put it on and train in it today. Yeah. So we had to kind of pick up. You didn't oh. know if it was your yeah. or we had to put it on, something. It taught me a massive lesson and, and when I, my, my last club was Wigan, yep. and I used to take my kit off after a game, I used to take it over and hand it to the kit man or put it in yeah. the, the yeah. because yeah. 20 years ago, somebody taught me that, you know, that's the right thing to do and, yeah. and I mean, you see it all the time, change rooms are just covered in kit and, but Tommy taught us a, a massive yeah. lesson that day so that's the influence a coach can have yeah. not just in football but yeah. in, in how right. you, you live your life
0: and what you know that's a great example as well you know I know your philosophy is about people as well as players I would say is, is who else when you became a professional who were the big influences on how you played the game
1: well Alan Irvin was my my youth team coach mm. I was very fortunate at Newcastle mm. uh, Kenny Douglas was the manager when I signed but yeah. he got sacked after about two months but yeah. obviously that wasn't kind of my level at that yeah. time I had Alan Irvine and Tommy Craig as youth mm-hmm. team and reserve team coach which was a fantastic education in yeah. life but yeah. brilliant football education Alan Irvine for me is one of the best Scottish coaches in the last yeah. 20, 30 year yeah. uh, because he's detailed he's uh, he almost taught me I say he taught me everything mm. I didn't really learn anything new mm. after working with Alan Irvine all I did well, was I, gain experience experience and and, and kind of learn from mistakes and different things. In terms of how to play the game, you know, defensively, how to attack, Mm. how to pass, how to mark, everything about Mm. how to play the game. Alan Irvin covered it in like eight months and it was a a sensational education and somebody I still speak to Mm. and and learn from all the time on coaching.
0: What a what a great testament, to Alan. That is then that, that he's had that impact on you, and it sounds as if again something about the you know modern life. So many people, I think, grab hold of, and it's a trendy thing to say. Sometimes you know it is uh, the marginal gains, the one to two percent but they only count if you get the fundamentals really well. I think
1: without a doubt, Alan was was brilliant at that and breaking the game down and. and yeah in every segment I remember once we played a game uh, a youth team game and
2: yeah.
1: he wanted us to play for the back and yeah. I mean this is 20 years ago now as yeah. well so it wasn't as fashionable as it is yeah. now yeah. but he was you know adamant on that yeah. and I remember one game I think we lost 3-0 where playing out for the back and getting yeah. the ball you know playing straight passes and, and losing the ball and on the Monday morning there was a kind of there was no there was no shouting or that after mm. the game because we lost. There was there was an explanation of what went mm. wrong, and then Monday morning he showed us how to drop it into centre forwards right. and how to, how and when to hit diagonals. Really. And then he used to say, "Now it's up to you." That that's what you yeah. do. Yeah. You have to practice, yeah. and, practice yeah. and practice and practice and yeah. practice, and it was something I practiced every day for the rest of my career hitting diagonals. Really. Uh, and and that was because he. So then once you, you hit that diagonal, yeah. the defense drops off, yeah. there's space in the field yeah. and you can go and play. So he used to say, I don't know when you have to do it. Yeah. You have to assess that. Yeah. But now that we've played through all the time, yeah. now we're going to start playing over. Yeah. And it just, just gave you ammunition like that constantly to, to, to then have a, almost like a toolbox yeah. that you can solve your own problems. And I think that's a great coach as well. You can't tell players all the time because ultimately when you're on the park, players need to make good decisions and you have to give them the, the toolbox to say, you know, you need to use these different uh, solutions to, to problems that arise in the game.
0: I I think that's a great description, Gary, because it sounds as if Alan there from what he was, how he was uh, coaching and teaching you as well There is was ahead of his time. Because you hear it now and... Certainly, when I'm involved in coaching, you you were looking to do, isn't it? A pen, independent decision makers on the park, and yeah. and, and everyone, Sometimes you'll notice players will, will say, sometimes is, but when do I use it? And you say, well, only you can tell that. And they think you're trying to wind them up. Of course, you're not, isn't it? No, you. That's, that's
1: what I felt like then experience then comes in. You know, so yeah. then. You, you make mistakes, every, every yeah. footballer makes mistakes. And then it's about recognising the mistake, being honest with yourself yeah. and, and saying, next time I'm going to do this or next time I'll do that. Yeah. And, then, and then that's how you improve and, and get better throughout your career. You're not actually learning new skills. No. It's learning from mistakes and, and the different scenarios and situations that come up, you then have the, the better solutions to those problems.
0: It sounds as if that's a, just a phenomenal football education you had there, and and you know f- from first meeting you were, when we were on the courses. I think you you've come across as really thoughtful about the game. Was the transition into coaching quite natural for you?
1: Yeah, it was. That? when I, when I came in Wigan, I was twenty eight, but I was I had really bad kind of problems around my hip area, mm. my, my groins, and that and. I had I ne- I'd kind of been assessed by different people. Never really got to the problem. Then mm. I came to Wigan in the January that summer. Mm. I seen a guy, uh, Professor Griffin, down in Coventry, mm. and he said I needed double hip surgery. So right. he done uh, two two operations. I had in the one summer. It was five weeks apart, yes. uh, and it was it was quite severe. When he went yes. in, it was okay. I'd been playing with it probably from kind of twenty four. And probably should have had a smaller operation yeah. when I was 24. But because I'd played so, so many games in so many years, that the hips were quite, internally were quite damaged. I needed micro fractures mm. and all different things. Mm. And even looking back again, hindsight's a great thing, but came back far too quick from that surgery. Actually, was back in about four months, when really one should probably take four or five months yeah, and I had two, so I had I had an yeah. operation five weeks on crutches, another operation five weeks on crutches. When I got off the crutches, I was almost kind of hunched over. I'd yeah. been on crutches for long, so I had to learn to walk and stand up, and my hip flexors had to get really loosened off. Yeah. But rushed back, eager to play, felt like I was in the kind of prime of my career in terms yeah. of fitness and experience. Yeah. Uh, and actually, rushed back for the <laughs> played in the infamous uh four six zero at uh Czech Republic oh, okay. uh, under Craig Levine. Yeah. He he had kept in touch and was was yeah. desperate for for that game and came back to playing that game. But uh felt felt great for about yeah. eighteen months, two years after that. Yeah. And then my left one started going again and had a surgery on it that was was never the same again. Only played four games I think after my, my, my third operation and that, that was what really Propelled me into yeah. coaching yeah. because I always wanted to do it, but my focus was on my career. When I played, I felt like you know thinking about other things would only distract from what I was doing. So, uh, did my badges? It was actually the summer of my first operation did started my my A license, and then and then kind of progressed through from there. Okay.
0: I think just before we talk about your coaching experience, I don't think a lot of people realise. The wear and tear on a modern footballer's body, as well, you know, as I sometimes thinks is, is all well. It's not like it's nothing, but you just play football and you go on, and you've described it just in, in in graphic detail there, just the wear and tear on your on your body at a young age. Yeah, no, it's.
1: I mean, I had I've had double hip replacement when I was thirty five a couple of years ago because I was struggling to coach. They were they were that bad, so. I think some people get lucky and, and yeah. you don't have many injuries but I mean I had three hip surgeries, uh, a, a knee, uh, I had like a micro fracture in my knee, broken foot, broken cheekbone, like the the list is, yeah. is kind of, I think that does go overlooked sometimes that yeah. when you're playing, you know, you should, I'm, I'm only 37 now, you shouldn't be a fit, healthy, yeah. a middle-aged man yeah. and yeah. You're actually not, because you're yeah. you're carrying all these ailments. Yeah. This lockdown, I've been trying to go out running, but it's it's yeah. going to kill me. <laughs> so yeah. It is something that you know probably does go unnoticed. It it, yeah. it does have a lot of wear and tear physically on on yeah. uh, your body.
0: Yeah, I you know I think the athletic demands of the game is is huge really. You know, I know a, a lot of people will say, oh, there's longer periods off and everything, but I think the athleticism and that uh, is is massive nowadays, you know, at the level that you played that uh, as well. And so what's been your experience coaching? How did you develop Did I know it's a, a cliche, but it's true. Did you develop your own kind of coaching philosophy or how you wanted to play the game? Yeah, I, th-
1: I think all your experiences rub off on you in a positive or negative way yeah. and you, you take that experience and, and use it but ultimately to be a good coach or manager you, mm. you have to be yourself mm. you, it's very difficult to uh, coach something you don't believe in yeah. it's very difficult to sell something to yeah. uh, a group of players if you don't actually believe in it because yeah. you're trying to convince a group of players yeah. to play a certain way yeah. then you have to believe in it 100% because yeah. if you don't They'll they'll kind of they'll smell that and yeah. they won't carry out what you want. So yeah. I think Gordon Strachan kind of rubbed off a lot on me at mm. Celtic in mm. terms of the standards, in terms of fitness, in terms of mentality, mm. and, and how you approach games yeah. and, and how you approach every day. And then Roberto Martinez had a massive impact on me okay. in terms of how you play the game. Yeah, overloads, play between lines, positional play. That was. I was 28 when I came to Wigan and he he showed me a different way of training and he showed me a different way of analysis of how to play and, and believe in one style of play no matter who you're playing against. We used to go to Old Trafford, to Anfield, to Stamford Bridge and we would go and play them toe to Yeah. every game. And we'd be, and some people might say that's madness mm. but for me I thought it was amazing that he yeah. that could which he knew were a kind of lesser standard of player man for yeah. man. But we went to, to Anfield and won. We beat yeah. Man United at four. Yeah. We beat Chelsea. We beat Man City in the FA yeah. Cup final yeah. because he knew he could cause them problems. Yeah. We couldn't do it consistently because yeah. ultimately we didn't have the quality yeah. of player. But in a one-off game, his style of play was, and his tactical analysis of mm. the opposition and the weakness and yeah. how you exploit that yeah. was, phenomenal.
0: And I think that's a brilliant example, is it? Because as uh, Roberto, you have to, he would have to have the courage to do it, but then you would feel that belief that you could do it from him as well. I, I can hear that in your voice, isn't it? One way we can do this.
1: That was, he, he's the best manager I've ever had at, at yeah. convincing me something. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, he, he is the best by a mile. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you know what football's like, you've got yeah. the old track, it's like, oh, we're going to get beat today, that's mm. that's what everyone's saying, but mm. he used to give team talks, and prepare, you so well, yeah. he used to believe, yeah. we can go here and win, you know, yeah. and, and even, there would be times we lost, we did lose like 4-0 one game, but, if you were at the game, yeah. they went, they were unlucky there, you know, it wasn't a 4-0, we we're, yeah. we're in the game up to like, the 75th minute, and then we lost three goals late one yeah. time, and but, we always gave teams a tactical problem because it has, you know, detailed analysis, his detailed training and how he, how he went about that. And that, that rubbed off on me a lot in terms of, you know, how I then coach and how I want to play the game. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. That's incredible. And what have you learnt from your coaching journey and your managing journey so far? What's the big lessons that you've learnt so far? Because you've done a lot already.
1: Yeah, I have. I was I was thirty-two when I when mm. I got the Wigan manager's job. Yeah. Uh, I'd been coaching and uh, I'd been helping Rosler, who was the first yeah. manager that, that got me involved with the academy. And I would sit in the stand for first-team games and report back at half time and at full time. So he was brilliant and giving me that uh, education. I was only thirty-one year old at the time wow. and, and gave me a real. Uh, inside look at how management works and coaching and how you prepare and that from not from a player more from kind of the coach's side yeah. of it uh, and then worked in the academy and, and ended up in the, in the Wigan job at 32 year old so yeah. it, it was a kind of sink or swim moment yeah. where I don't think you're ever ready for management yeah. but you have to then kind of go there and, and learn learn on the job almost yeah. and I've had good and bad experiences yeah. from them. Uh, I, yeah, just
0: one more and, and I think it's, when you're speaking there it's interesting that you know you how quickly you went from you know a player into the coaching role and, and you're right isn't it it's what I call that oh shit moment you know that we all think when we're thrown out of our comfort zone she so you get on with it but I was speaking to John Hughes last week and, and John said something brilliant and I'm thinking of when you said that he said when I'm trying to put a point across or develop my my game I'm always thinking like I would as a player I would think does that make sense to me and I would have made would I imagine that would have been actually a good unconscious strength you would have had going into coaching so young yeah I think
1: I was especially early when I went the wigging job in particular I was very much the players you know because I When I took over, I was in the basically in the change room one day and yeah. manager the next day. So that was very difficult. Yeah, and that's the first group of players I think almost tried too much because yeah. I was their team mate. Oh, they, yeah. they kind of wanted to do well for me, but oh. they were trying too hard. Oh. Uh, and I was fortunate as well that I we only had five games. We were we were bottom in the league. I think there were seven points for safety with five games to go, so it was almost missing impossible. We gave it a go, but ultimately got relegated. And then the next year, I managed to kind of change the full squad. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, I think there was four players left from the changing room that yeah. I was involved in yeah. to, to the team that I coached that, that one league won League One. So that was, the, the situation was fortunate that I was allowed to do that. And then the players that were coming in, didn't really see me as the player or they just see me as the manager and I could then stamp my authority on how I wanted the team to play and, and how I felt the club needed to move forward.
0: And that is, you know, I've spoke to many uh, players that's, uh, that's had that experience, isn't it? One day you're in the dressing room, it's your mates, the next day, you know, sometimes you're the coach or the manager and it's a difficult transition for most people, isn't it? It's uh, and then from to go on, as you said, and bring your other players. That's a perception thing, isn't it? You, you then you they are able to see you in a different way.
1: Yeah, to your first point, I think we've all been in a changing room or a meeting room, and, and the manager's standing up there, and he maybe says something. You think, you know, what is he saying that for? Or that wasn't a very good and. It's very difficult when you're when you're there. It's easy to criticise yeah. and say oh, do this or that. But when you stand up in front of a group of players, like I said, you have to convince them. Yeah. They have to believe every word you say. Mm-hmm. They have to believe. They have to carry out what you're asking them to do uh, to the letter. And mm-hmm. and to do that, I have so much respect for for every manager because it's it's not an easy thing to do, no. uh, especially when it's your your kind of teammates. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely something that, that I love, and and it's something that you know I'm thankful for the opportunities that I've had up till now to, to be able to do that.
0: Tell me a little bit about what you're doing just now, and um, is it is it individual coaching, or you doing team coaching just now, or or what is it that you're doing just now within your coaching uh, brief?
1: Well, I'm doing a few different things. I've been helping out uh, at my my little boys' plays at an academy. Uh, Mark Stott, the guy that actually owns it, has just bought Stockport County. And right. uh I went in and coached a bit there and okay. thinking he'd do a bit more coaching there. I enjoy coaching, and that's the one thing when you're out of a job is you've no team. <laughs> oh, you have right. a team. You need a team to, to coach. Okay. So uh the last time I was out of work, I went into Winslow High School, the local right. high school, uh, uh just to coach a group of players yeah. and then This time I've helped out with Jaden's team uh, to to, to get me coaching. But I've also been working just individually with players uh, alongside my agent and helping players, younger players in particular, to to develop, to progress, looking at analysis of all their games, giving them feedback. Uh, And I've really enjoyed doing that. And and it's been really positive uh, response from the players. They've got into it a lot, which has been good. And I
0: felt like it's, it's had an impact. Brilliant. So would you see yourself there, Gary, and, and you've said it there is as very much as uh, uh, on the part of coaching. You love the coaching and, and working things out and being with the players rather than... You know how it is now. Some people are quite, quite distinct. They say, no, I'm a manager. I don't do that. But you love the coaching as well as the other sides of it.
1: Without a doubt, yeah. I think... You know, I've had three manager's jobs now and yeah. I actually was coaching in the academy and I enjoyed coaching. coaching. You don't know where your path's going to go in yeah. life. You yeah. just have to go with it and, and yeah. go with it. And once you become a manager, I think you sometimes get kind of tarred with that brush. You, you yeah. just want to be a manager. But yeah. I think my strengths as a manager were coaching, was analysis, was development of players, was kind of, like I said about Roberto, he rubbed a lot off me. I, I like watching games and analysing strengths and weaknesses and coming up with coaching uh a week's kind of coaching yeah. to prepare for that game. And So I, I think very much my strength is coaching, has being on the grass, is analysing games. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other bits in management, you know, that, that we all know kind of the yeah. political side of it yeah. is probably the bit that I struggled with when I was a manager. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm open to anything really. Yeah. Like you said yeah. at the very beginning, Football is our passion. We love it. Um, And just being involved in football is is something that I love. So I'm open to to different things and, and not just to be the manager somewhere again.
0: That sounds great and and thanks very much for kind of sharing your experiences and I think there's some gems there, not just for players but for coaches as well. And if people want to go and and find out a bit about what you're doing just now or get in contact with you about coaching or managing, where's the best place to go? Is it LinkedIn or...? Yeah,
1: I'm I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, Twitter. it's, uh, social media is not something that I've been right into but I, yeah. I've got into it a bit and, and I'm thinking of, kind of getting a website and stuff like Good. that it's, since January I've been doing it with the, with the players individually and it's something that we're thinking of progressing so I might get a website and stuff like that moving forward but anything on LinkedIn yeah. uh happy to help I've had a few coaches on there already uh, messaging me and stuff which is great I love kind of helping uh, coaches and different people so anything like that then then I'd love to help Brilliant
2: Thanks very much for your time Gary it's been great speaking to you
1: Brilliant Don thanks very
2: much Cheers sure.